Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. This is for the week ending Friday, February 18th, 2022. For this episode, we're just going to talk for about two hours about Lunana Yak in the System and Catch the Fair One. Bruce Perky, a.k.a. The Incursed. No, a.k.a. Perkay and Eric Holmes, The Incursed. I'm changing it up. You you mind talking about Lunana? Lunana? Again? And Catch the Fair One? You cool? I'm always down with that. See, the great thing about Pimp Zam is not only is she completely cute and charming, this was her first movie, and she fucking nailed it, knocked it out of the park, and I can't wait to see her uh, being more stuff, especially since Lunana Yak in the Classroom was nominated for Best International Feature. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before uh, Pim Zam is in everything. And Bruce Berkey, what do you think about Catch the Fair One? Can we talk about that endlessly, that, that movie? What do you think? We can, we can, we can. But I'm more interested in talking about what you just said, which was Lunana, a yak in the system, because I think that might be the next Matrix movie. I'm sorry. I think there's a, a yak, the, there's the a yak going around with Pim Zam, and they're both doing like these kung fu moves in like bullet time, and it's kind of pretty cool. I like, it's not a yak in the system, my fault. It's a yak in the classroom. It is a faux pas. I just want to join the system. I'm all about capitalism. Are you all about capitalism? Eric and Bruce, what do you think? Capitalism? Yes? Yes? That's what. That's my middle name. Yeah. It's Eric C. Holmes. C stands for capitalism. <laughs> C stands for capitalism. Or Clayton, one of the two. But I'm pretty sure it's Eric Capitalism Holmes. Holmes, very good. I, I agree with that. Hey, Bruce, what do you think? Capitalism or down with capitalism? What do you think? I've got a K in my name, so it's capitalism with a K, which has to be like, <laughs> I don't know. Is that... I don't I think know. It Is it communism like, or something? What the hell? Oh my god! I've done should it. I call I've done you Der Commissar? Oh my gosh, Der Commissar! There's a lot of things we have going this week. We have three different movies of varying degrees. I'm just gonna <laughs> a varying degree. Different, different. Yes, we have Ted K. Bruce, what is Ted K about? Quickly. First, I just Why want they? to say when you have a terrible date, you say, "How was your date?" It was different. It was different. <laughs> it was different. Is Ted K different? Eric Holmes, what is that? What is this, Ted K? Um, yeah, that's uh, it's it's different. Um, it's, <laughs> although, although but, oh, oh man, I cannot remember the name of the movie, and this sucks that I cannot remember the name of the movie because it was one that Bruce suggested a long time ago with Anthony Edwards. Why can I? Oh, not? gotcha, Miracle Got- Mile. Miracle, okay, Miracle Mile. Mile. Yes, Miracle Mile. You might say that that date was different that's yeah that, that miracle mile date is different ted k is different these guys were dancing they were dancing on the ceiling they were just beating around the bush ted k is the story of ted kaczynski aka the unabomber the unabomber is played by charlotte copley that's one of the films we're going to be talking about there's another movie that i think bruce perky said to said to me and eric holmes one day say hey guys you know you know it's a movie that i think is interesting for this week Bruce, what's this movie called? What's that second one movie are we gonna do? What's that called movie? Oh, movie you're film? trying to you're trying to blame me. I can no, hear no, this. I'm, right I'm not now. blaming. I'm not blaming. That's okay. I'm not. I've already watched one of the movies for next week, so you have no foot to stand on. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, we're not gonna mention that 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 movie that we're gonna well, review next for week. Next week. Bruce uh, no. is gonna love every one of them. Every yeah, that's an embargo. It's embargoed for next Friday. But Bruce <laughs> dangled something on me. But what is that movie called? I think it's called. Is it is it a really classic? What is it called, Bruce? The, the the one we're gonna do? Oh, we're gonna do um, a woman on the run. Yes, yes, it's a classic. Thank <laughs> a you. Woman on the run. No, we're also gonna be doing a new movie called 
a banquet, which specifically Bruce requested. In fairness to Bruce, it seems like a very interesting premise. We'll get to that shortly. And last but not least, we're going to cover a movie called Cursed. Not Cursed, The Cursed. And it's a movie about werewolves. Werewolves, Eric Holmes. In is London. That, in London, yes, yes. Werewolves in London, very good. Are you His a fan of- the- was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Is werewolves, werewolf movies, are they kind of your cup of tea? Do you like them? Or have you not watched a lot of them in your in your time? Um, I'm more of a vampire guy, uh, but I do like werewolves, and I'm kind of happy that we've been getting a lot of them lately. And I know Bruce didn't like uh, werewolves within, but Clack- we, we've gotten even even not counting that. I, I love the werewolves within, but even not counting that, we've been getting a we've been getting a couple of pretty good ones lately. So very cool. I'm here for the trend. If that if that's gonna go here forward. You know, I'm here for the trend, too. Also, Bruce is here. He mentioned a movie called Woman on the Run. Really excited to hear what he has to say about that. But also doing his homework earlier than me and Bruce is Eric Holmes. You could have a physical media just discussion a little bit, a little uh, drop. It's uh, something. What, who's, who, what is it? What are you going to recommend for your uh, I, I picked up the celebration on Criterion Blu-ray. Yes. yes. Um, it Was it expensive? director. But- Entertainment Mark? No, who the, I don't think it had a director. It was oh. one of the Dogma 95 movies. What, oh, so really? Who knows who the director okay. is? No one knows, but uh, maybe we covered we'll, that. We covered that on, on uh, Finder Film, didn't we? Yeah. Didn't we cover oh, we covered, we covered the movie. I'm going to talk about the special features. Very cool. Okay. How much did you pay for it at Entertainment Mark? Was it five dollars, uh, ten bucks? Did you? Was it a good oh, deal? Oh, I got a new. I want to say twenty five. It was uh, not too not too expensive uh not as far as uh criterion releases go okay I, a week and a half ago i sent eric and bruce just a grab bag of some blu-rays check disc and what dvds eric got his but for some reason bruce i don't know it got lost in the mail i need to send you another grab bag you still haven't gotten it right the the dvds and blu-rays that <laughs> you might want to check the address you sent it to i know <laughs> We're off to an inauspicious start. We went to Hamsline, Hamsline <laughs> at <laughs> gnail.com. <laughs> That's very good. By the way, if you want to actually send some thoughts and just wishes and comments, go email Eric Holmes, not at Hamsline at gmail.com. You could email him, him at Hamslime at gmail.com. You could also email Bruce Perky at BrucePerky at gmail.com if you want to re- recommend a movie in the box. And we're going to get to what's in the box later in the show. But first... Let us start with Ted K. Shalto Copley, I'm sure Eric Holmes and Bruce, Bruce Perky, they're fans of because of District 9 and Chappie. We all know him from the, these movies. Very interesting actor. And he, he teams up with director Tony Stone to star and produce this movie called Ted K. And really, it's a very simple plot. It looks at the life of Ted Kaczynski, who's living up in the American Rocky Mountains. And you see... I just pretty much for how many minutes is this movie? It's 120 minutes up close with Ted K, a.k.a. Ted Kaczynski, featuring a very standout performance by Charlotte Copley. This movie is a very, yeah, this this movie is will not please a lot, a certain section. But if you are, if, A, if you're a fan of Charlotte Copley, and if you want to learn a little bit more about Ted Kaczynski, and I guess his, it's a very insular movie, and it's a very claustrophobic film. I I ended up really enjoying this movie. It's available in theaters and on demand 
February 18th. I'm giving this movie four stars. I'm saying this right now just so I can just, I want the bulk of the reviews to be from Eric and Bruce. I'm going to start with Bruce first regarding your reactions to Ted K. Um, okay. Yeah. Ted K. First of all, I would say if you want Charlotte Copley's uh, opus of acting, I would go to Hardcore Henry because he plays about five characters in that movie, I think. So go there. But um, yeah, I'm also on District 9. That's, he's good in that and, and some other stuff. Um, so this is the story of Ted K and how he's really an asshole and he's got issues with everybody, women, the technology, all kinds of stuff. Um, I guess my biggest, my biggest gripe with this movie, first of all, when you're doing a movie about a real life killer, I guess my question is, what is your angle on the movie? You know, like, why why are you doing the movie and what are you trying to get out of it? Like, are you trying to learn more about the guy? I mean, I guess I learned a little bit about him. I learned more about his, like, kind of eco-terrorism he did in the area he lived. And I learned that he was an asshole. Yep, he was an asshole. I got to see that for two hours. But it kind of comes across to me as, like, the wrong part of the story. Like... The most interesting part of the story to me would be the investigation or how they catch him or how that goes down, which I kind of know that story too. But to focus on him, a real life killer, it kind of comes across irresponsible to me. And I don't usually judge movies on responsibility, but to me, it's kind of like, hey, let's give two hours to this asshole killer and kind of gloss over the murders he did and the people that were the victims and the investigation that caught him. So I kind of grade it down a lot for that Mm. i'm kind of glad Um, that they actually glossed the over the because of the killing i didn't want to see that i just wanted to be right in that whole wheelhouse of his within his frame of mind and like you said the eco-terrorism but you said there's that flip side where a lot of people will be offended that it's not given it's yeah well this is the kind of movie when it's a fictional character it's like a you know like a taxi driver one of those kind of movies where you're kind of in this um disturbed mind who has their own moral compass and you kind of get to see their their spiral and their kind of weird world of view but when it's a real person i think that's a different story because then you you're kind of coming at it uh i don't know there's a responsibility i think as a filmmaker you have to take when you do that because there's real people who really got killed so to me you're kind of saying like this it's this guy's worth a whole movie and the people that got killed are worth like two seconds in the background in a slow motion glamour shot of him walking away so I, I kind of say fuck you to that kind of movie on a lot of ways. So to me, I'll give it a couple stars because, you know, Charlto's doing his best. He's he's chewing up the scenery here. And it's moody and it's kind of has a weird vibe certain times. The music's kind of interesting. Uh, the look of it's pretty good. But as far as the actual story goes and the focus, I, I, everything else I give zero stars to. So I only give it two stars for that. Two stars for Ted K from Bruce Perky. He, yeah, was not a movie for him. Do you agree with that sentiment, Eric Holmes, regarding Ted K? Yeah, the most of it. The beginning of this movie, I was very worried. I was like, this movie's going to piss me off. <laughs> I think I told you guys as much because it, it seemed like it's oh, this is this is really weird. But during the, the opening credits, like the names they had for the credits, I was like, this is going to be like this uh, is going to be like a teenage kid. That just found out who uh, Jeffrey Dahmer is and like, whoa, cool, you know, and, and, you know, do that teenage thing. You know, you get into serial killers and whatnot and they're real interesting, cool. And I'm going to, I'm going to wear my Ted Bundy shirt and, you know, that sort of thing. And I thought that's where this was going. I think this went a little deeper than that. And they kind of already did this in Joker. 
yeah. take, it, it takes a character that we're already familiar with. And then the, I, I guess to Bruce's point that the, the angle here is let's see how he got that way. You know, let, let's, let's, um, I don't think they forgave Ted Kaczynski. It wasn't that grotesque. I don't think, but the, the movie was definitely interested in how does someone, how does someone go like that? How does someone become like that? And uh, another movie I was thinking of was like American History X. American History X doesn't forgive uh, skinheads and Nazis, um, but in in this, it tries. Uh, in American History X tries to understand them. how does someone become like that, and that's kind of what the thrust of the movie is. And apparently, the director didn't like American History X, and that's another conversation. But with uh, Ted K, it seemed like they were kind of going that route. Let's see what turns someone into a Ted K. And I think with something like Joker, it's a little easier to handle because Joker doesn't exist. He's a comic book character. And so you can have that, you can have that conversation. And actually, that's probably one of the reasons I do like Joker. But with Ted Kaczynski or Ted K, when you're dealing with real people, that's, it, it makes it a little trickier. So it's almost hard. It's almost hard. You have to, you have to really thread that needle. And I think I'm not going to be as hard on it as Bruce because I do. I I got the feeling that the I got the feeling that the filmmakers had the best intentions. I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say the filmmakers were like, "Yay, Ted K, look how cool we are." As I mentioned earlier, that's what I thought it was going to be, but I felt like they were trying to thread that needle. I don't think that they completely did it, but yeah, this is. Uh, I think overall, I like this movie and I appreciated what it was going for. There are going to be some people that watch this and just get straight up pissed off. Probably more so any of the family of any of the Ted Kaczynski's victims. They probably watch this movie and go, go fuck yourself movie. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that doesn't have anything to do with anything was uh, Melissa Off-Dumar was uh, one of the producers on this uh yeah, she's, right. a, she's a bass player for uh smashing pumpkins and hole and uh i just I, I didn't know she was a producer so that that was very interesting um but yeah charlotte copley's great in this there's nothing wrong with the movie itself but it's it's the it's kind of the context in which the movie's presented and i I guess I, I I think I think if they could have threaded that needle just a little better, this would have been like a five star movie. What it, what stars do you give it? How many stars? Oh god, that's tough. <laughs> um, if let's say take let's say Tikhonovsky's a uh, fictional character, this would probably be like a four or four and a half star movie. As it is, I'm kind of with Bruce a little bit. It's probably three stars. But I, again, that you're, you're, um, I, I think I'll give it three stars, but your, your take on this is going to depend on how, cause like some people, uh, you know, be listening to us or watch, you know, maybe they just watch TK and they don't care. And that's perfectly valid too. But if you're the type of person that's like, uh, real sensitive to that sort of thing, I might tiptoe towards it. If you don't give a shit, then check it out. It's it's a good movie on it. Uh, you know, in a vacuum is a really good movie. Um, Three stars for Eric Holmes. Two stars for Bruce Perky. I give it four stars. I love this movie. It's a great character study on Ted Kaczynski. Bruce Perky does not agree. Again, two stars. And Eric liked the movie, but it was um, he's a little bit. I don't know. Three stars for him for Ted K. Currently, as as of this recording on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score of eighty six. Percent. Okay, so that is Ted K again in theaters and on demand on Friday. Another movie that's in theaters and on demand on Friday is a movie called A Banquet. I don't know if it has 86% on the Rotten Tomato scores. It centers on this girl who, well, she she's a teenager and she witnesses the death of her father. 
very it starts off the movie starts off very traumatic she sees the death her her father he's ill he chokes on i think on food spits blood he dies he dies while being taken care of by his wife okay so what happens is this girl when after seeing her father's death she goes to a party and she believes she witnesses some kind of supernatural occurrence and from there she is she believes she is a changed young woman from that experience so she decides not to eat and the rest of the movie deals with her not eating and for some reason it doesn't really affect her she doesn't lose weight from this experience and why is she not losing weight by not eating that's one of the big mysteries of a banquet is this young woman insane um meant just is she having some mental issues or whatnot or is she actually seeing a vision out there in the blood moon sky which is it was a blood moon sky when she saw that one night so the lead actress is played by jessica alexander and the the mother is played by sienna i'm trying to pronounce her name guillory and ruby stokes is the younger sister and also the grandmother is played by character actress Lindsay Duncan. She's very fantastic in this movie and a couple some has some really good monologues. Overall, this movie, for me, running at an hour and thirty-seven minutes, this could have been six and a half hours for me. It was interminable. Right now, as we speak on Rotten Tomatoes, it has twenty-seven reviews, a rating of seventy percent. We were talking about good intentions regarding Ted K. Eric was Eric Holmes was talking about the good intentions behind the filmmaker Tony Stone. This movie had a lot of really interesting intentions. But the problem with the banquet is it tried to say a lot, and there's nothing wrong with trying to say a lot, but make the movie gripping, immersive, entertaining, or maybe offensive. Give give me some kind of emotion to work with. I The only good thing about this movie is it really did have some good performances by the ensemble involved. Overall, just a waste of time for me as a viewer. I give this straight up one star. The genre is horror. I was horrified that I had to watch this for 97 minutes. Eric Holmes, your take on a banquet um well it started off good and then it got dull really fast the there's a lot of food in this so the foodie and me really appreciated that i would say the opening scene and the ending i liked a lot everything in the middle was just almost things happen but then they don't quite happen we we've talked about certain movies where greg you'll do an interview with someone and we'll watch the movie and then we'll hear you know, we'll watch the movie and we'll feel a way about it. And then we'll listen to your interview, um, which you can find on Cinematics Patreon. Oh, thank you. For uh, we'll listen to the interview and then hear the filmmaker kind of talk about it. And that'll kind of open the movie up. Maybe make us hate it more. Make it Maybe make us love it more or understand it more or something like that. And I feel like I don't get what this movie was going for. It felt like the score did a lot of the heavy lifting on this movie. Because a lot of the suspense, air quotes, suspense in this movie seem to come from the score because nothing's happening. But all of a sudden the movie's going and then it stops. Oh, something happened. But if you're looking at the movie without the score, nothing happened. <laughs> and it, it just kind of maintains that throughout the throughout the movie. And, and this, movie finally- does hor- this movie does a horrible cheat. And I, I hate to say this, but... There's a lot of dream sequences in this movie. I know it's I it, I know I'm spoiling it for for a lot of people, but it it's like a cheap it's I I get really annoyed when they do this when it it's almost like a a cheap scare for me when you have all these layers. Oh, it's a dream. Oh, it's a dream. Oh, it's a dream. So it's sprinkled throughout the movie and it was, yeah. I found that sorry, I found that irritating, annoying. So. Yeah. And I get that. Um um it it seemed like it was maybe a comment on like bulimia or anorexia. 
but like it, it's a comment on it in the fact that this movie is kind of about anorexia. Cool. What about it? Well, it's about anorexia. No, I mean the movie. I mean, in my cool. Opinion, but yeah. what about it? Well, I, no, I think like, I, I think it's not. It's not. It's not just about anorexia or bulimia. It's it's about how women in within a family, how they, how specifically this family, how they process their their grief and trauma, and okay, by not I actually, I didn't pick up on any of that. By not like, actually expressing it with each other, by not communicating yeah. their their. Like the the grandmother is fractured with the mother, but she gets along with the granddaughter. The granddaughter is the granddaughter is fractured with her own mother. There is a fracture between the two sisters. The two sister, what the younger sister overhears a conversation that she's not the favored one, and then and then it's everything is so spelled out in this movie. There are like five or six themes, uh, and I thought it was just too much. I would disagree much. with that because I did not pick up on did, anything. Bruce, did you pick up on any of that stuff? Bruce, did you pick up? I would. I would disagree a little bit with you, Greg. I think this is like a Rorschach movie of a test. Like Mm -hmm. you could look at it and say, oh, it's about bulimia. You could look at it and say it's about grief. You could look at it and say it's about like becoming involved in a doomsday cult. It could be about mental health uh, possession it could be about mental health it could be about an alien invasion yeah that's what it's, it could I, be about it's about so many things it's not just about bulimia. No, it's a, but it's about it but actually all it is is a splotch of ink on the paper Fair. It's just whatever you want to put on there you could you could make a case for it but the movie isn't actually about any of those things because it doesn't actually follow through with any of those things that's the problem. <laughs> Wait, like, <laughs> did you appreciate it then that that it's a Rorschach test in a sense? No, because uh, this is a great enigmatic first twenty minutes of a film. Like you condense this into like the first twenty minutes of a film, you would create a really enigmatic, interesting mystery. But then you have to have the other two thirds of the movie to actually follow through with that and give you whatever the movie's about it could still be kind of sounding enig- enigmatic but it's got to pay off in some way and we actually compared this to what was it the the feast the feast which saw, is another kind of which, body horror yeah class that, you know, and that's it was a lot really of enigmatic yeah. as well but yeah. it has a payoff you may hate the payoff but it has a payoff so to me that's a big difference between those two movies yeah i was really frustrated with this movie too like both of you and i i even said as i was watching it i said 30 minutes in i said i have no idea what this movie's about to eric's point and then at the end of the movie i said i still have no idea what this movie's about because i don't think it tells us i mean you don't have to spell everything out but you have to at least tell us okay, this movie's about this. And you should be able to plausibly like say why that is other than just because there's deep, you know, eating problems. You can't say that makes it enough, which is once again, to Eric's point, you can say it's about anorexia or bulimia, but it doesn't do anything with that information. Yeah, the, it, the idea is that, uh, do you have any more to say about it yeah, other than yeah. this is what it's about? Yeah. There's no, um, arc or nothing yeah there's no like conclusion or or uh you know whatever there's no like uh, denouement or there's nothing to it this uh, podcast is about the possible war between russia and ukraine <laughs> and that isn't the last i will say about it but that's what this podcast is about anyway back to the movie <laughs> yeah but i mean it looks good uh yes it's well filmed uh the actors are definitely committed and do pretty good jobs jessica alexander is beautiful 
I, I give it that. I was um, reading. An, but, I was yeah. reading a letterbox review where it said that the two sisters they look. They reminded the reviewer of Dua Lipa and and uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, I couldn't get my mind off Dua Lipa yeah. and Florence Pugh while watching this movie. I I do want to point out. I, I think I mentioned it, but I want to point out again: the food in this looks amazing. Even like there was a part where the food goes rotten. And I'm like, I still want to eat it. <laughs> Yeah, the, this movie was forgettable for me. It once again, one star for me. How many stars for you, Eric? Um, this one's probably like a a two star for me. And the weird thing is, I thought this would be like one of those movies because, like, you know, I I wasn't too hot on um Power of the Dog or Drive My Car, but you guys loved it. So yeah. as I'm watching it, I'm just thinking, I'm just it, it just this felt like a movie that wasn't for me. But I could see someone watching this. Like I could see this being someone's favorite movie. But then you guys said it, so maybe I I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this this wasn't my cup of tea at all. Well, right now it ha- like it's, it has seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm sure there are people who actually really oh, appreciate. It, there you go. Then yeah. I, in that case, I I would I would check it out. Um, maybe watch the trailer, see if see if uh you know. This would be like one of those things, like if someone watching, it's like, oh, you guys are nuts. The banquet's awesome. Then you're probably right, you know. But I mean, that's the that's the point with the with the differing opinions, right? Yeah, this one, this opinion, I'm right on this one. A banquet's fun star <laughs> for me. Totally, it could be for someone else, but they'd be wrong about watching this movie. Sorry, guys, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. So, how many? What's your rating, Bruce, on this? Well, this is a movie that should be for me, right? This is yeah. designed for me to love this movie. Slow burns. One, one star. One star for Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. One star for me. And then two stars for Eric, who's a little bit forgiving, but still two stars. Our litmus test is we recommend at the lowest a three-star film. So that, that's our baseline. Three-star film is, is our recommendation. So actually, none of us pretty much recommend a banquet. But here I come to save the day. My name is not Mighty Mouse, but there's a movie called The Cursed, which is not unfortunately not on demand on Friday, but it's going to be in theaters. We've all dreamt of a silver that's cursed this land. And Judas asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? We will all pay for the sins made by our elders. There's a manor house. They've sent for me regarding their son who's gone missing. And maybe connected to what you've been looking for. Did the girl see what attacked them? happening here the land's been cursed
It's directed and penned by Sean Ellis, and it stars Boyd Holbrook and Kelly Riley. Uh, Kelly Riley, you, you might know from what, what's that movie? That Yellowstone, uh, the a TV series Yellowstone with Kevin Costner and Boyd Holbrook. You might know him from from Logan. Very very interesting actor as well. I don't even know how to even describe the cursed. It's a werewolf drama, but it's set in sort of in a weird in a weird way two different eras. It starts off and correct me if I'm wrong, Bruce and Erica. It starts off World War One. Someone gets shot, they operate on this man, and they take out two bullets. One is a regular bullet, and the other one is a silver bullet. And you're wondering, this guy, he's being operated on, he's bleeding out, what's going on? Why do they, why do they have a silver bullet? And then and then you see it cuts to a, a gothic mansion or a mansion in, in a couple of seconds later, and then it cuts to 35 years before. And you're going, oh, what? And guess what? It's not a spoiler. This movie runs 152 minutes. No, 100. One hour and 52 minutes, my bad. It's close to two hours, but most of it is a flashback from th- from the past. And you're wondering, you're going to be Citizen Kane and you, this whole movie is going to be a friggin' flashback? And I was, I was getting annoyed for the first couple of minutes, but then I just got really into the whole world behind the curse. This is a movie that I can't wait to watch again. A lot of people might think it's a little bit over... A little bit too long, but I I kind of like wallowing within this world that The Cursed provided to me. And Eric and Bruce will be talking about what the world of The Cursed is. Let's start off with Bruce Perky. Well, for me, four stars for The Cursed. Easy. That's an easy one for me. I'm going to rewatch this. Bruce, what did you think of The Cursed? Uh, mostly, I'm mostly positive on this movie. Um, there's, it, It's a little bit of a mixed bag. First of all, I think that uh, as I started getting into the flashback, which is, like you said, the majority of the movie, I thought this is very... This is almost like a hammer throwback kind of movie. It's very gothic, sort of uh, classic period horror. Very, very common themes that you see in werewolf movies. You know, it's got the whole... And I don't even know if it's proper to use this term anymore, but I use gypsies. (laughs) So I think that's probably not acceptable anymore. And I felt like that stuff and the monster stuff and some of the uh, intrigue between the the haves and the haves not and how they get cursed, uh, I thought that was all pretty pretty entertaining. There's some pretty good um, practical effects. There's especially, uh, and we won't say what happens, and I know that I think Eric appreciated it too. There's a, a scene, uh, he called it a birth scene. We'll still leave it at that. There's a birth scene in this movie that was pretty awesome. That's, yeah, that stand out, yeah. I had a weird feeling about this movie, and I could be absolutely wrong, but this feels like it might have been a mini series that got shoved into a movie. Because Thank I, God for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree. I agree. But it also does do some weird things in here because I feel like there's a lot of narrative threads that kind of kind of feel shoved together. Like at certain points during the movie, I feel like, wait, how did we get here already? Wait, who's this? who's this guy that's kind of like Van Helsing for – and they call him a pathologist. Who's this the, guy? Where did he come from? And that pathologist is the aforementioned Boyd Holbrook. He, right. he pops up in the middle of the movie and he's investigating this land, yeah. which might be quote unquote cursed by werewolves. And he has to get to the bottom of this whole haunting within the area. So Yes. So I think if you like those kind of throwback hammer movies, those those kind of gothic horror movies, I think there's enough here to enjoy that you'd have a pretty good time. I do want to call out early on, there's a scene from Up on a Hill where we're watching a massacre occur and it's all in one take from a distance and all of the actors are doing what they're doing in real time. And I thought that was actually pretty impressive and amazing. That was really well done. And I was surprised that something like that was in this movie. And then the only other thing I want to mention on the bad side is I really did not like the cinematography of this movie. I wish it wasn't so muddy. Yeah. I wish it wasn't muddy. I wish it had been 
much more vibrant and colorful because for me, all those old movies, I think of them as being colorful. And I really hated when the attacks happened. It got all scratchy and blurry and weird. Like they didn't trust the practical effects, but every practical effect I saw in this movie was pretty good. And the digital effects weren't bad either. So I think they should have trusted it and been a little more steady on that and just let it happen. But I mean, that's just my personal taste. I don't think it's, it's necessarily bad as far as filmmaking goes. It's just not what I would have preferred. Overall, though, I think it's a, a pretty a pretty fun movie. And it was a, a happy discovery after the other two movies. <laughs> so, what's, what's your rating on this? I'll give it three stars. I think it's it's good, but it's not great. I also love that I'm not going to give away the ending, but the way the bookend of the beginning and the ending, the, there's, certain, there's a certain reveal towards the end, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Eric, your thoughts on The Cursed? Um, actually, you might want to bump Bruce's up to four stars because this was a werewolf movie, and I think werewolves <laughs> automatically get stars taken away. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- this one was really good. Um, I, I was kind of because like the curse, it sounds like eight hundred movies I've seen before. The poster looks like oh god, here's another one of these. Like it, it just seems the the marketing on this seems like uh, it, again a movie you've seen a thousand times before. And then the movie starts, and it's like, oh, this kind of like a this has some like witch and en- the witch energy to it. Uh, actually, I like this better than the witch because I'm not a big fan of the witch. Uh, that has whoa, more to do- that, really? that has less to do with the filmmaking and more the the fact that I don't like the the younger a couple of the characters really rub me the wrong way. Um, okay, uh, th- without them, the witch would have been really high up there. Uh, but the curse didn't have those characters, and so. <laughs> I like them a little more. Uh, yeah, the 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 little VFX or the the camera effects Bruce was talking about, I actually like that. Um, it added, you know, kind of uh, kind of had like a seven vibe to it. Um, you know, the the early David Fincher where he starts like fucking with the camera. It's like, ooh, cool. I, I just kind of went with it. Uh, but uh, to Bruce's point, I get that, and I think uh, there'd be a couple people that might agree with him. This movie made me want to watch Brotherhood of the Wolf again because it's yeah. kind of it's kind of in that same sort of same sort of wheelhouse. The uh, now it is a werewolf movie, but I really liked how they kind of reinvented the lore a little bit because um, we know yep. like like when they pull the bullets out of the guy at the beginning, it's like bullet bullet. Oh, this one's fragment. We got to go back in, and then they pull out the silver bolt. I'm like, oh motherfucker, we're in for a werewolf movie. Here we go. Um, but then they had that they had that scene where they uh, the, I'm not gonna say it out loud, but there, there was a scene that kind of uh, started. You know, this is kind of like a almost like a proto werewolf movie, like where the werewolves came from. But it's not like that's not what the whole movie's about. But it, it gives a different history to what werewolves might be, and it's it's, it's not tropey. It's not it's not a tropey film. It's a, it's no, a, and they're no, not even they're not even completely werewolves either because they got certain they got certain Wendigo aspects and they got like certain vampire aspects. Like they're they kind of it, it's almost like it's a new monster. But if you watch it, you'll recognize it as a werewolf. Yeah, this, this is a really cool. Uh, cool horror monster movie um the fact that it's a period piece like the victorian era period pieces a lot of those i don't like um say for like interview with a vampire and brotherhood of the wolf and this one kind of fits right in with those two and i dug this one what did you think of the cinematography bruce was a little bit iffy on that i like i like the muddy dirty 
cinematography. Where did you yeah. land on that? I didn't really, I didn't really think about it until Bruce mentioned it. And then after I'm thinking about it, I'm like, it probably would have been like that much better if it was like, if it looked kind of like Sleepy Hollow or something like that, where it's like a little more cleaner, I guess, uh, vibrant. But it, it, as I was watching it, it didn't really move the needle one way or another t- for me. Um, cool. I actually no, I take that back because the uh, the the scene Bruce was talking about the the wide shot of the village where it's getting burned and you just see everyone do everything. It's got a bunch of shots like that where the the picture itself doesn't stand out, but the choice of camera movements and camera like where they choose to put the camera really is effective even though it doesn't look pretty uh, I, I think it looks fine but like it, it doesn't like the look of it doesn't stand out it's hard to it's hard to uh crap on the cinematography too much because it's very effective uh you know in scenes such as that one all right what is your rating on the cursed eric probably with you on a four star and cool. this one could this one could probably be a four and a half so oh, room four. to grow Four stars, room to grow. Room to grow. Four stars for Eric, four stars for me, three stars for Bruce on The Cursed. I, I, I just think, I have a feeling I'm going to really like this more, even on the rewatch. I'm, I, yeah, I just really enjoyed a lot. Also, we, if we actually talked about the spoilers, I would really discuss why this is a four-star film to me. I really love the writing behind this. I liked how The Cursed ended up. The, all of the little puzzles that you get to figure towards the end of the movie, it's fantastic. Yes, Bruce. Uh, oh, I was. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say two things. Um, I also want to mention that we're not going to talk about what it happens, but the creation of the scarecrow, yes, is yes. really cool and really good at setting up the lore and the stakes. I think. And on a value added note, and you mentioned um, Kelly Riley, and you didn't mention what I think. If you want to watch Kelly Riley, go back and watch a really, a really vicious, awesome little indie movie called Eden Lake. With her and Michael Fassbender, that movie will fuck you up. Okay, Eden Lake. I, I, you know, I've heard about that. I, I can't wait to actually see Eden Lake. I definitely have to see that, that probably sooner than later. But that's the curse. It's in theaters. Yes, Eric. Before we leave the yes. curse, yes. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the fake out at the beginning. They had the cold open, and then the thirty five years later, thirty five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that also bugs me when I see that in movies. This one, I think, kind of earns that. Because of right. where the movie ends up, it it because usually um, they they do that like they'll have a really strong beginning and they're like two weeks later or two weeks earlier or, yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> That's basically the screenplay, the screenwriter saying, "I can't make this movie interesting, so I have to throw something in and just arbitrarily jump forward or jump back or whatever." This is a movie that that does that does the thing. Um, but it kind of it kind of makes sense when you get to the end of the movie, and then obviously it gets to the end of the movie. It's going to get back to the beginning, but it bookends it nicely. And not a lot of movies that do that do that. So can I, can I also say, curse. yeah, it also didn't doesn't go. I love voiceovers, but the curse of yes. voiceovers, <laughs> which is awesome. And I, I I actually enjoyed the music for the curse, but it's not slathered over the whole thing. These are all. Th- cheat things that Sean Ellis could have done. Done. He's a director and writer behind this, and he doesn't do it. It's a really good story. You know really what, Greg? Really yeah, four and a half. Four and a half stars. Okay, <laughs> four and a half. Talk me up on four and a half. Yeah, uh, you know, and also I'm thinking as far as I'm a I'm a Brian De Palma guy. That, so that grew quick. 
Yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a Brian, you know, I'm a Brian De Palma guy, so I love standout scenes. And Bruce mentioned that scarecrow scene, and there's another sequence that we're talking about a birth scene that's just just based on those superficial visual sequences alone. I really, yeah, I'm so excited for for the cursed. Four stars for me, four and a half stars from Eric Holmes, who really loves the movie. Three stars from Bruce, who also appreciated the cursed. It hits theaters February 18th. I really wish it also hit on demand as well. I can't wait. Hopefully our Cinematics Facebook group members will see this once it com- comes around in theaters or maybe hits streaming. That's it for our featured reviews this week. Now we're off to our recommendations. Bruce, what'd you got? What'd you got for us this week? Well, I've got one movie, but I saw three. So I will mention the two other ones really fast because I put a vote up on our page. All three of these movies are worth watching. So I'll just say that right out of the gate. And it was a close vote to see which one I talked about. So the ones that didn't win were Attica, which is a Oscar nominated uh, documentary about the Attica prison uprising, which is amazing on Amazon Prime. If you want to watch that, I would advise it. Also, also barely missing the vote was Flea. F-L-E-E, which is nominated, I think for the first time ever, as feature uh, animated, feature documentary, and I think international film. It has all three nominations, which is incredible. Very good movie. That's available on Hulu. I would highly advise watching that about the immigrant experience uh, in a really interesting, interesting and impactful way. But the one that won is Spencer... Uh, and that is also available on Hulu and is nominated for, I believe, Best Picture, I think, this year. Okay, cool. Uh, and I know that uh, Kristen Stewart is nominated for um, Best Actress in a Lead Role, I believe. And partly, uh, also, this got bumped up because Andrew Martin hates this so much. <laughs> <laughs> I was he, just about to say that. You hit me up. He had to message me to tell me how much he despised this movie. This is absolutely an acquired taste. This is not going to be for everybody. I, I I would say this right out of the gate. I went into this expecting it to be a slog and to not like this. In fact, halfway through it, I not, I mentioned on in the page how I was annoyed by the mannered um, performance that Kristen Stewart was giving. And it won me over. This movie won me over. Uh, this could For some people, this could be last days. Absolutely. This could be last days for some people. This could be Kristen Stewart pretending to be Princess Diana wandering around in a big mansion being um, into herself and her angst. It's Absolutely. one of these things, if people like Natalie Portman and Jackie, is there a through line where, well, if you like Jackie, you're going to you're gonna really enjoy Spencer? Is that that kind of... I, I'm guessing because, I mean, there is that definitely that Pablo Lorraine, Lorraine's, uh, the director's um, kind of style definitely kind of comes through um what kind of worked for me in this movie and i was once again i was surprised that it worked for me is that there's a really odd tone to this movie and it's like as if you took a biopic about princess diana and you just said like well i'm gonna take the idea of her and the idea of what happened to her in this one weekend christmas week or christmas three-day period where she's basically deciding whether she should just leave the whole royal family that's kind of the the idea of the arc of that of the movie and i'm going to put it in this really weird setting and i'm going to make it kind of this strange nightmarish satire on the incredibly controlling and petty world of the royals and put you know, put this character in it and let it happen. It worked for me. I, I I can't justify it 100% other than it just worked for me. And I, by the end of it, I was, I was totally on board. Hey, it's free to stream if you have Hulu. Give it a try. I would advise 
give it at least 30 minutes because this is not going to hit you right away. It looks beautiful, by the way. The soundtrack is amazing. Her performance ended up winning me over too. I thought her performance was really, really excellent. It's kind of weirdly an emotional horror story in a lot of ways. <laughs> I don't know oh, how to say that. Cool. That sounds kind of cool. Um, and it's got some really, really interesting, I guess, uh, stylistic touches, which I think really sets it above what it could have been. It, this is definitely not your your mom's biopic. I put it that way. Uh, I'll put a perfect, perfect example. One great thing is, and I think this might be real, I don't know, but the first thing they do when they come to this weekend at this manor, it's, a, it's tr- tradition to come and sit on the scale and they'll weigh you. And the tradition is they weigh you, and then by the end of the weekend, they weigh you again, and they say, look how much fun you had based on how much weight you've gained. And Princess Diana, as a bulimic and self-harmer, is in a terrible place right out of the gate, having to weigh herself in front of everybody. So um, it's, <laughs> it's, it was pretty interesting. I, I really liked it. Four stars for you? Uh, I went four and a half on this, and I believe I went four and a half on the other two I mentioned as well. I think you can go... 100% right with any of those three movies, prefer my taste. Okay, so that is Attica, Spencer, and Flea. He reviewed, Bruce reviewed Spencer. All of these are four and a half ratings. Eric, you're going to say. So, Bruce, um, they had a, they made a comment on, on uh, bulimia and then actually made a comment on bulimia? Yes. Oh, and that would be the last thing I'd say about this. Love it or hate it. And I totally understand people hating it, like just saying like rich, spoiled girl being all into her emotions, right? Whatever. There is an arc in this movie. There is a story in this movie. There's a beginning, middle, and end to this damn movie. So if you (laughs) don't go to a banquet, (laughs) you actually have a story here. You may not like it, but there's a story. Yes. Okay, that is very good. Okay, so these are actually... This this maybe should have been our three featured reviews this week. I was hoping, three I was hoping at the beginning I was going to say, like, I saw three awesome movies this week, and, and then, then we saw our features. <laughs> and then we saw our features. Very good, Bruce, on these three awesome recommendations. Eric, what do you got? Um, I went and saw Kimmy. Not went and saw. I believe I saw it on HBO Max or wherever it's streaming. Uh mentioned it on a little bit on uh, on Cinematics. And uh, Angie Clark actually hit me up because she watched it. And she's like, have you seen Kimmy yet? I said, no, I didn't. She's like, well, watch it. I'll watch it with you. And so she's like, we've, we've done this before. We're like, uh, and, and she's watching the movie and I'm watching the movie. And then we're just kind of messaging each other back and forth, just commenting on the movie, which, by the way, recommend. It's very fun. And uh, Kimmy is a movie written. Ooh, what the it's fuck? written by David Cap from David Cap Window and directed uh, by Park. Steve Soderbergh. Yep. Uh, starring Zoe Kravitz. And basically, so Kimmy is like a Alexa or one of those sort of things. Alexa, explain Kimmy. You know, one of those things. But uh, they, Hey, Siri, a- explain Kimmy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get them all. <laughs> Go ahead. But, uh, Google Home. Yeah. <laughs> explain Kimmy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Google Home. Play Mr. Bungle. <laughs> You're welcome. So anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, this movie also stars Erica Christensen, who previously worked with Steven Soderbergh in traffic yeah but uh kimmy is uh like a an alexa sort of thing and, but it, it, it there's more scientific or uh like science fiction stuff to it that i didn't really pick up on and it's not really that important this is kind of uh kimmy hears uh what she thinks is a crime a rape possibly a murder and she's trying to find someone to do something about it and no one gives a shit We've seen a movie like this similar uh, called uh, uh, Don't Look Up. Hey, 
there's a meteor. Louis should tell someone about it. No one cares. Kimmy's kind of a, a smaller version of that. She's trying to find the killer since no one else uh, seems to give a shit or just figure out what crime, because she didn't even know what the crime is. And so the trailers make it almost seem like it's going to be like Haywire, but it's a little smaller than that because Kimmy's agoraphobic, so she never leaves the house. So it's kind of a uh, I guess it makes sense that uh no david kep did not write phone booth we i fucked that up yesterday but this is david kep's phone booth i guess but instead of inside of phone booth the main character inside a uh, how, uh apartment the whole time um pretty decent thriller i mean steven soderbergh so you know he's known for making pretty good movies and this is not another one of them not gonna not really knock didn't really knock my socks off but it was fun and then uh, it was also fun going back and forth with angie clark uh talking about the movie as we're watching it and if anyone else wants to do anything like that hit me up on uh, the cinemax facebook group because i'm totally down to do more of that what's the rate what's your rating on kimmy this would probably be a four-star movie. Like, it didn't knock my socks off, but this is, like, a really great version or, like, a really, um, you know, we have those movies that uh, stay in this lane, and yeah. it, it doesn't get too ambitious, but the stuff that it's, the stuff that's going for, it just nails everything. Uh, yeah, there's another cliche that I can't think of, but it's fine because it's cliche. But, yeah, the, this movie, this movie uh, calls it shot and just kind of nails it. And I really enjoyed it. Well, what's good about this collaboration with David Kep and Steven Soderbergh is this movie, Kimmy, again, released 2022 this year, streaming on HBO Max years ago, like back in 1997, no, 1996. They worked together on a movie. What's movie? Yes, they worked on a movie called, I believe it was called The Trigger Effect. Is that is the trigger effect or is that, was I wrong on this? No. Oh, Steven Soderbergh? No, no, I was, I was, no, you know what? I was thinking this. Oh, no, I was I was thinking of uh, underrated David Kep movies, The Trigger Effect with Kyle MacLachlan and Elizabeth Shue. The movie that I was thinking of, that I thought they worked together was The Underneath. They did not work together on The Underneath. That was something else. But The Trigger Effect is a very underrated David Kep movie. David Kep is a very good director as well. I loved uh, one of my favorite Johnny Depp movies, A Secret Window. And it'll be, it's interesting. Do you think... Eric, the the collaboration worked with uh, Soderbergh and Cap. This whole yeah whole movie yeah because uh, I, I, like D- David Cap for me is kind of hit and miss. I I think he's a good writer, um, but it, it's actually it's hard to say because a, a lot of the stuff he's most known for are big like uh, blockbuster type things or like uh, the, the stuff where studios are involved, and so it's hard to say without reading his scripts. It's hard to say how good they actually are. Because a, a lot of the times he's one of five different screenwriters, you know. Right. So, uh, but yeah, when when like he's got stuff like Panic Room, I really like Panic Room, and this one, this movie's kind of on that same on that same kind of level. Uh, mm. Secret Window, Secret Window, you mentioned was really good, and this is another good one. So, if this is what David Kep is uh, capable of writing. You know, without much interference, uh, maybe I've underrated him quite a bit. Well, David Kep. Yeah, it's probably there is no peer to David Kep as far as screenwriters right now in Hollywood, period, because he's the most successful screenwriter in Hollywood. I mean, you look at his, you look at his career. 1992 works with Robert Zemeckis with Death Becomes Her. Obviously, he does a little movie the next year called Jurassic Park. This that same year, he's working with my boy Brian De Palma and Carlitos Way. 
He does the movie The Shadow, which I think is actually not such a bad movie. He works again with De Palma in Mission Impossible. He directs and writes Terror of Echoes. You mentioned Panic Room. He had his own TV series with, uh, I believe, I think David Morris called Hack. I mean, he's done War of the Worlds. He's always an in-demand writer. Yeah. And from all that money that he gets to do with writing, he becomes a director as well. So he's I, 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 should, I should point this out because I, I, I talked to about this like online. It mostly dealing with Book of Boba Fett. We don't need to get into how terrible that show is, but... A lot of people are like, oh, Robert Rodriguez should stay away from Star Wars because he didn't know how to do science fiction. I'm like, okay, whatever. You do know there's a writer on this thing, right? But the writer is also the producer, John Favreau. So, you know, that I, it, it's weird that like... uh it, it, it's weird how I think people kind of misunderstand writers a lot. Like, uh, uh, so and so, like, like so and so will get a writer's credit. Uh, Moonfall had three writers. One of them was Roland Emmerich, and then he had two others. I don't know which, uh, I don't know which writer was the idiot that came up with the majority <laughs> of what Moonfall was that doesn't understand how people work or physics work or things work. But then again, I, I've seen more than a few Roland Emmerich movies. So there's a common denominator there after a while. But then you get someone like David Kapp is like, man, he does like really good stuff sometimes and really shitty stuff other times. And then when you look back, it's like, well, the shitty stuff had like 13 other writers attached to the screenplay. So maybe that wasn't him. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even have a question. It, it was just more. I mean, for example, I, I mean, it, it's it's just a, there's a lot of script doctors in in one of these things. But who knows? I I mean, you look at David Cap. He's some of the stuff that I some of the studio stuff I I'm not a, I'm not a fan of. Like the Mummy, I, I haven't. I'm sure the Mummy isn't that great. I wasn't a fan of his movie Premium Rush, which he also directed and and Pan. I I did that press junket. But overall, you look at just the sheer volume of screenplays that he's done over the years. There's no one who even comes close yeah. to David Cap. Plus, he's been a director. Probably also, the the one person who comes close is probably Paul Schrader, as far as the writer. I think, director. A, I think the Mummy also had was it Orsi and Kurtzman, Robert Orsi and uh, probably yeah yeah I think you're right. He, I think he's he's like he goes I, to your I, point. I think he's since split up, but I I don't know if both of them worked on the Mummy, but those two have those two also have a, a history of not writing good. Yeah, you're right. That was a that was actually a trio for the Mummy. That's David Kep, Christopher McQuarrie. And Dylan Koosman, and it's actually directed Wait, by. Wait, Christopher McQuarrie worked on the Mummy. Yeah, is that crazy? It, yeah, yeah, he Holy was one of the writers. Shit. How did that turn on out the like Mummy? That? All right, so Kimmy gets oh, four stars sorry. For, for you, <laughs> and then what else? What else you got? What's your other recommendation? The celebration. Okay, the, there was a celebration on Criterion. Uh, th- th- this was actually Greg's idea, and it's a good one. So I decided I'd jump on it early, and I got uh, the cri- uh, the celebration. On Criterion, it's a Dogma 95 uh, movie. Uh, this is the first Dogma 95 movie release. It's directed by, well, apparently no one. Um, but this right. has a bunch of really cool uh, special special features. It's got, well, first of all, it's got, a, it's got two shorts. We got Last Round and The Boy Who Walked Backwards, both uh, directed by Thomas Winterberg. Yeah, and I don't know why they decided to put Thomas Vinterberg's shorts on a movie called The Celebration. Who no one knows who the director is, but here we are. Both those shorts they're about uh, 35, 40 minutes each, and they're both really good. The uh, last round is a guy that thinks he's uh, not thinks uh, he's got some debilitating illness, like a uh, cancer or something, and he just wants to spend the last remaining times with his friends, and hilarity ensues. And then a lot of sadness if you watch uh, Thomas Vinterberg movies. The Boy Who Walked Backwards, um, 
He steps on, you know, you've heard the step on the crack, you'll break your mother's back, that sort of thing. He stepped on a crack when him and his friend got drunk. And then, uh, you know, these kids are like 10. <laughs> so the fact that they're drunk is kind of weird. But then, oh, no, it's not him and his friend. It's him and his brother. And then so the, the parents are like partying and whatnot. And then the next day, the the uh, brother has to go to school and the dad uh, drives home on his uh, little moped, motorbike or whatever, gets in a crash and the brother dies. And so uh, the brother, the surviving brother thinks, oh, I stepped on a crack. I killed my brother. So now he starts having these, like, has to hit himself in the chest three times. He's got to walk backwards. He's got to uh, turn the light on and off. You know, he starts developing those things because he thinks if he doesn't, it has real world consequences. And so that that's a really good one. Another special feature they have is a documentary of it's got okay. Let's see if I can find it. It's got Thomas Vinterberg, <laughs> Lars von Trier, and two people that apparently really like the Dogma '95 movies. And I don't know why they're there, but they're watching uh, stuff about Dogma '95, and they're picking it apart because the Dogma '95 has the rules, which are on the uh, uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Um, but they're picking it apart and picking apart certain movies, like oh, you cheated there. Or they'll see it behind the scenes there. It's like, oh, look, look at you, Lars von Trier, giving me shit for having lighting. And look at you, you brought in light. It's like, well, no, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know why they're arguing about it, because it's not like they directed the movies. But anyway, the, uh, that that documentary is really good. It's got one where um, uh, Thomas Vinterberg talks about where the idea for the, the, the celebration came from. That's probably about 10 minutes. That story's fucking awesome. And I don't even want to tell you. Just if you get the criterion, this thing's just jam packed and just about everything on it. All the, uh, it doesn't have any of the fluff interviews or fluff behind the scenes stuff. Everything is really interesting, really deep dives on everything. And I'd almost say the special features are almost as great as the movie is itself. And so as far as special features go, five stars as far as the movie itself goes also five stars yeah it's a celebration we actually if you actually look at our find your film feed we previously did a dogma 95 special that was spearheaded by eric holmes i forgot the other two movies we covered the celebration was one of them again under the dogma 95 rules eric's being coy you don't know what who the director is but obviously the director behind the celebration is thomas vinterberg and well shorts. greg says that but no one really knows. <laughs> yeah, no one no one really knows thomas vinterberg you might know also know him most recently in 2020 he came out with a critically acclaimed film i believe it's what's called another round which is his upteen collaboration with matt mickelson so that is it for the recommendations for this week good job on the what what it was that a blu-ray or dvd that you got I got the I got the Blu-ray, but they Blu-ray, have it cool. for on Blu-ray and DVD. Blu-ray and DVD Criterion Collection, the celebration. Let's celebrate the musical stylings of Peter Beta. As what does he do every single week, Bruce Berkey? Drops that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? <laughs> Alright, so we are back with I was going to say the Dean Koontz wallet watch, but with this week's box, what you got in the box, Bruce? Uh, I have, and this was suggested by Mr. Joseph Bridges, who 
watches seemingly every noir movie that was ever made. Uh, it seems like every day right. he's yeah. updating like two new movies he's seen. Not new, but movies that he's seen again for the first time or whatever. A Woman on the Run, 1950, directed by Norman Foster. Let me preface and, this, though. He yeah. reviewed it. Like you said, he reviewed it on our Stenmatic Facebook page and our, our Facebook group, Joseph Bridges. And the fact that he slathered so much love on this movie, I'm thinking, I've never heard of this movie. I don't even know who freaking Norman Foster was. I actually went out and, and purchased the Blu-ray. I'm getting it on Amazon tomorrow. So Yes, cool. cool. Um, so this movie has a really interesting history. I, I, I looked at some of the trivia, so I might be getting it slightly wrong. It basically uh, was one of those movies that went into the public domain. Like every so often you hear about this, I think uh, famously um, Night of the Living Dead went to the public domain. This went to the public domain. And I think sometime in the thousands, they were afraid they had lost the only copy of this movie. And the copies that you had before then were just really terrible, like scratchy, blurry, you know, jumpy because of various edits because they only had whatever copy they had, which I think had got lost in a fire. And then they discovered that I think BFI, um, British Film Institute, had a good copy of this movie, which they have restored and now uh, have made a really great Blu-ray, which I believe is what you just bought. But you can find a bunch of versions of this movie all over the place. I found one that looks to be the BFI edit on YouTube. So look around. You can find it if you don't have the money to buy the Blu-ray, but it might be good to buy the Blu-ray. So what is this movie? First of all, it stars uh, Anne Sheridan as Eleanor. She is the titular woman on the run. You have Dennis O'Keefe as Leggett, who is this um, kind of this, uh, you know, rag reporter dude who's out to get the scandal stuff, right? And then you've got Inspector Ferris, played by Robert Keith, who is the father of Brian Keith, which Brian you Keith might remember. Hardcastle and McCormick. Wasn't Brian Keith also... Family He's Affair. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Family Affair. Family. And wasn't he in... What was yes. the movie we saw? Nightfall. Was that the Nightfall, Nightfall or Nightfall? Yeah, the Nightfall. No, yeah. Deadfall or... Yeah, the, whatever. Yeah, that movie. That He was awesome in that. Starring Aldo little Ray. Bit of trivia. <laughs> yeah. The last little bit of trivia I'll give you on this movie, and then we'll go to the... We'll go to the actual movie, but apparently Robert Keith for a short time was married to a woman who was a starlet, and she is notable because she committed suicide by jumping off the one of the letters of the Hollywood sign. <laughs> so oh that's kind of a weird Hollywood infamy. Hollywood uh, Babylon. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, total Hollywood Babylon, which is an awesome book by Kenneth Anger. Yeah, I love that book. Seen it. Yeah. Wait, is that, um, that she she jump off the Hollywood sign or Hollywood land? When when did that happen? Good question. It may have been Hollywood land at that point. I don't know the answer to that question. I'll have to go ask um, Mr. Brian Keith, who's, oh, he's dead. Oh, so I'll have to, I'll do a seance. We'll figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask Lars von Venture Bottom <laughs> if he knows. <laughs> okay. So, what is this movie? This is a great noir setup, right? You've got this dude. He's walking his dog and around San Francisco. This is a whole bunch of awesome old 1950s San Francisco locations. So if you like like all the locations in Vertigo, this is even a little earlier. So it's great to see all the footage. This guy's walking his dog at night. And he's, he's walking up these stairs, getting out towards the street. A car pulls up. A guy falls out of the car. You see a hand come out of the car. Shoot the guy to death. The car speeds away. Oh, and the guy tries to shoot the man walking his dog. Then the car speeds away. The man walking his dog, obviously a witness. He saw the shooter. The police show up and they say to the, the guy walking his dog, they say, 
okay, well, the guy who just got shot was a witness against this gang, mem- this, you know, this gangster. So now you're the witness. Sorry, dude. Now you're the witness. <laughs> and as the cops are taking their notes down, the witness, he disappears. He runs away, leaves the dog behind. And the police go find his wife, who is Eleanor, played by Anne Sheridan. And they say, well, we need to find your husband. So the whole movie is Eleanor, and she's estranged from her husband. Like, they're they're on the outs. Like, he goes out and walks the dog at night and doesn't show up for a long time. She's kind of given up on him. They're, they're, they're not in a good relationship anymore. The whole movie is her with this kind of uh, rag news reporter dude, uh, Dennis O'Keefe, trying to track, like, kind of retrace the steps and track down her husband so they can get to him and, and protect him before the gangsters kill him. And it's just this kind of um, weird, almost rom-com between those two kind of banter, noir banter, and also at the same time trying to solve this mystery and maybe get to him before he gets killed by the gangsters. It's a lot of fun. If you like these kind of movies, it's a ton of fun. And the last thing I would say, there's a final, a finale, like a kind of a last 15 or 20 minutes that takes place in this amusement park on the boardwalk in San Francisco, which I guess don't think uh, exists anymore. And it is a masterclass in it's almost De Palma-esque level set piece. It's so good. And I want to hear Greg talk about it when you see it, Greg, because there <laughs> it's set up in such a great way. And it plays out. It's such a great example of suspense in this kind of gritty, low budget movie, as opposed to like, you know, the, the, you know, Hitchcockian version of it. But it's so good. I think you're going to love it. I can't wait to see this. What's your rating on a woman on the run, Bruce? Uh, I'm four and a half. I mean, honestly, my goodness, room to grow, room to four, grow. Four and a half. <laughs> are you surprised that this movie is overlooked, or are you not surprised that it's you know you know? Well, I mean, there's so many noirs. That's the problem, right? Noirs are kind of like noirs in their heyday are kind of like horror movies, right? There's a million of them made, and so many are mediocre. But there's those gems that get missed, and the people who love them and discover them will love them. But this movie. Uh, and also the other thing I would say about this, the reason it might be overlooked a little bit, it doesn't have as many crime elements. That's the thing I'm saying that's kind of weird about it. And that's why I want your feedback on it as well. Because the the bulk of the movie is this kind of um, this wife who's – and her banter is awesome, by the way. She's a great character. But who this wife who kind of is on the outs with her husband, hanging out with this – you know, asshole reporter dude just trying to find out where he's at. So it's kind of leisurely and not as the stakes aren't as big to start out with. So I can see that being a drawback to some people because it doesn't have as much gritty crime going on. But when it gets to the end and all the stakes and all the reveals happen, it's so good. I have a recommendation. (laughs) I never do recommendation. Uh, And I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to go very quickly. Eric Holmes, you like Christmas movies, right? Netflix movies. You like Scott Atkins films. You like all that kind of stuff, right? Netflix Christmas movie sometimes there holiday be theme. A Netflix Christmas no, 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 no. romantic comedy starring <laughs> Scott Not, Atkins. But I mean, Don't I'm just mess saying. With me, there, are, there, are, <laughs> there are there are there are some movies that it's hard for you to review because they're just kind of your movie. Like yeah. for example, you had a good. It's hard to rate a Netflix Christmas movie when you had so much fun fun with your. Your family, we can't just go on find your film and give it a like a rating rating. You know, we can't. Hey, if you want to enjoy this movie, come hang out with my family and watch it. You'll (laughs) like it as much as we do. I have the same feeling when it comes. By the way, you can't just you know. 
And Bruce is gonna. I I know this because here's the thing. Bruce is gonna roll his eyes at this. I and I, I'm I'm actually going to actually confess. I have a soft spot when it comes to. Well, I have a lot of soft spots. That's why I'm, I'm still single. But I have a soft spot <laughs> for, for Bruce Willis movies or movies that are made by Lionsgate or something like that and are maybe straight to on demand or that stars maybe Adrian Brody or it stars Thomas Jane. I love all of these type of movies. It's hard for me to review. So there's a movie called Pursuit that comes out this Friday. And there's a reason why I'm, I'm going here. Adrian Brody plays a hacker, a computer hacker who is looking for his wife and its kids. Supposedly, his wife and his kids are kidnapped by his father, who's sort of a, a crime guy. The crime guy is played by John Friggin Cusack. The movie also stars William Catt from The Greatest American Hero as the town sheriff. Okay. There is also Andrew Stevens, the, who starred years before in the Brian De Palma film The Fury with Kirk Douglas. Andrew Stevens, who's now a hotshot producer, he makes a return to the, oh, I guess, quote unquote, silver screen as a, as a crime lord. So there's Andrew Stevens, there's William Catt, there's John Cusack, and th- there's Emile Hirsch in, in a movie called Pursuit. And it's just. Wait, you said Adrian Brody. Is it no, Adrian no, no, Brody Adrian, or Emile Hirsch? I, no, no, Adrian Brody. I, I mean, I like those Adrian Brody type movies that he does as well. Oh, you okay, know, okay. Sometimes I'm, I'm talking about like sometimes you'll see a, a movie that stars maybe Al Pacino or De Niro or a big star or, or even Anthony Hopkins and it goes straight to on demand. I have, a, I'm a sucker for these movies. And yeah, so Pursuit is in that lane. If you are a fan of William Catt, John Cusack, Emile Hirsch is just chewing the scenery. It's directed by Brian Skiba. And Skiba is a very, he's a, he's not, he's an indie filmmaker who works with a pretty decent budget when doing crime action thrillers. He, last year he directed Ryan Phillippe in a movie called The Second. I'm sure maybe Eric might have seen The Second, but that, that was an interesting movie as well. Casper Van Dien's in that. So I think I'm speaking more towards Eric Holmes's lane. I Dude, think you might. <laughs> you're just buttering me up. And the reason I, why, I, I okay, feel, I feel like you're about to ask me if you can fuck my sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> That's very funny. Very funny. No, the reason why I'm saying this is a couple things. I was actually going to request a, a Bruce Willis Devon Sawa movie called Gasoline Alley next week for us. But the reason oh, why God, I didn't request no. it because, yeah, because Bruce Brook he just said, "Oh God, no!" Because I know if I request a Gasoline Alley, maybe I should request it for you, Eric, and me to see Gasoline Alley with Bruce Willis and Devon Sawa. Would you watch that next week with me? I mean, it, it, I'll watch it. Bruce Willis seems like like he's. I like Bruce Willis, but he's not um like Nick. He's not like Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, no, no, yeah, always comes it. to work. Bruce Willis, I, if if he's like, well, the, the I even the, like the, Bruce Willis when he doesn't come to work, though. Uh, <laughs> I like him when I, he's. I, I, I think to- every time I see him like on screen, where he's clearly just collecting a paycheck and he doesn't care. It, it just seems like I just see wasted potential. It's like, dude, oh. just go, go, go for it. But yeah. yeah. But anyways, the director, Brian Skiba, I interviewed him this week. And you know what I forgot to do? At the end of this really great interview, and I asked him about physical media and DVDs and Blu-rays for our whole DVD and Blu-ray coverage. You know what I forgot to do after the interview, which was a very good interview? Bruce, what do you think I forgot to do? Ask him for a DVD of Blu-ray? Worse. I forgot to record the interview. I did not record <laughs> oh, the no. interview. So I, it was a 20-minute interview with freaking Brian Skiba, and I, I, I botched no. it. And, and it's, you know you what? Know, I'm not... Greg, I'll, I'll watch the movie. We I, own that. <laughs> I'm not You know, I'm not saying this. This is not a mea couple. I actually liked Pursuit before, inter- before yeah. 
total F up with Brian Skiba. But here's the thing about Brian Skiba. One of his uh, all-time favorite movies, and this goes up to you, to you guys, is uh, what, what Big Trouble in Little China. Because he's, mm-hmm. he's, he was saying it's a, a really great – he says it's nothing deep or anything. But as far as a formula film, it's a perfect formula film. Do you guys agree with that as far as checking out no. boxes? Oh, no. You don't Big agree? It's not a formula China. at all. Like what formula is it? That's a crazy movie. It's not a formula. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's yeah a, Big it's Trouble in Little China is right, yeah. so good. <laughs> That's like the absolute opposite of a formula film. I mean, it's it's a B movie, but it's not a formula film. Yeah. Okay. And also, I asked him about DVDs and Blu-rays, and he said, you know why he, he thinks physical media is going to be important? Because most people, most household, Bruce, I don't know, you and Eric, if you guys agree with this, a lot of households are now paying $100 per month just for the streaming services, and it's become like cable. And he said, now he has, I think, three or four kids. His kids are coming up to him, and teenagers, and they, and they say to him, hey, dad, you know what? I want to buy something. I want to buy a DVD. I want to buy an album. So you have this younger generation, this generation who's so good with in the digital meta universe, cryptocurrency, video games. Suddenly they want something tangible. So who knows? Maybe it might come back. DVDs and Blu-rays, physical media. Who knows? This younger generation, we might be able to pin our hopes on them actually buying physical product. Do you guys think that might happen? Think or wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he he said his, his kids. Maybe hope, hopefully that actually is. Uh, I don't know. Do your kids like? Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess every because like the you know DVDs and Blu-rays, like they're not gone totally. Uh, kind of like uh you know LPs, like you know records never totally went away, but then people like them, so now they're kind of coming back. Obviously, like something like eight track never came back because eight track sucked when it came out, but like uh you know. DVDs are decent. Uh, Blu-rays are good. 4Ks are good. Like, I, th- there might be something to that. I, I don't know that I would bet on it, but it, you know, nostalgia always comes back around. So why not? Anyways, pursuit in theaters on demand on Friday. I apologize to Brian Skiba for, for this for after that che- interview. I'm gonna check out pursuit. pursuit. Tell me what you think of pursuit. It, it's I, a fun I, movie. I love John it's a Cusack, beautiful. so I kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Give us your honest opinion on what what you think of pursuit. Before we go, Bruce. I oh. yes. Go ahead. You have I, something I, to pick? Do you have a I, I got, to watch? I, no, I got I got two things. One, um, the uh, the woman on the run, yeah, came out in 1950, and he said she jumped off the Hollywood sign and asked if it was Hollywood land. It looked like they took land off in 1949. No, oh, so I don't know the context of that scene because I didn't see the movie, but that's very close. So maybe it's a comment on something. I don't know. Oh, no, no. It's not actually the movie. In real life, she actually jumped off the Hollywood sign with yeah. Hollywood Land or Hollywood. In it was real the, life, wife, she, the wife of the actor jumped off the sign. Not in the movie. She actually, okay. in real life, killed herself from the sign. Bruce, right. what do you got for the final finale? Do you have a Dean Koontz? What are we doing for next week as far as box, Dean Koontz, Wallet Watch? What do you got? What are we uh, we're doing Dean Koontz, Wallet Watch. We're doing Silent Running. Oh, right. Silent Running. With Bruce Stern, yes. uh, directed by Douglas Trumbull. Okay, and I yeah, believe it, you can it, find this in a lot of places free. I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon Prime or Tubi or one of those. I didn't look okay. it up ahead of time. I've got oh. the Blu-ray, so it'll be bonus because I can talk about the Blu-ray features oh, because it's an Arrow release. So Arrow I've got release. a whole bunch of special features that I haven't even looked at yet. So I will be looking at that. Very cool. And rest in peace, Douglas. Well, how do you pronounce his name? Trumbull. 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 Yeah. Rest in peace to him. And. And you know what? I'm going to probably really screw up instead of watching. I might actually accidentally watch Cool Runnings instead of Silent Whatever, Silent Runnings. But who knows? Maybe I'll I'll watch both of them. Have you ever seen Cool Runnings, Eric Holmes? I've seen Cool Runnings. Silent <laughs> Running, I will need to watch 
because that that's one of those maybe, but I don't know. Okay, so it'll be a Bruce Stern week and Douglas uh, Trumbell um, a week. Yes, there's one Eric, other thing. We, uh, yeah. we mentioned Peter Beta earlier, and I forgot. Um, I was supposed to be our middle class film class, but they had mm-hmm. to bump me because they had a uh, bigger star. Apparently, they had Nick Nolte or yeah, some drunk fucker that sounded nothing like Nick Nolte. <laughs> so wait, Nick Nolte Nick. was on the middle cl- middle class film class, actually the Nick Nolte. Yeah, oh. yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he was hyping. He was hyping some app called what was it called? Drizzler. Or something? It was called like Drizzlerd. Or I, I, I have no idea what it was. I, what did I, he sound like? Did he sound like Eric Holmes doing a Nick Nolte impersonation? What, what did he sound no, like? No, no, no. I, I can't do a Nick Nolte at all. As you will hear if you listen to Final. <laughs> oh boy, middle class film class. All but right, yeah, well. go check out middle class film class. It, 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 it was fun. He just hit me up and was like, "This sounds stupid. I can't wait to do." This. <laughs> okay, that is it. Yeah, t- check out um, Middle Class Film Class. Those guys really, really work hard on their weekly podcast. Before we go, Bruce, do you have final some final thoughts? I will forward preview enigmatically something we're going to watch next week by just kind of paraphrasing a line that is something like, hey, can I borrow a charging cord for my iPhone? I only have Android. Okay, that is a... We're going to have to go back to those lines. Eric and I have no idea what it is, but I'm sure millions of people who listen to our podcast understand what that is. But we'll see you guys next week here on Find Your Film.